podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, good evening and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers. This is Winners and Losers. I'm Gav, that's Pete, that's Phil, same, same as last week, except this is a Tuesday and not a Monday. Um, the lads have picked a winner each and a loser each, and in the next hour or so, we're going to argue about them. We're going to work out uh, that they haven't picked the winner and loser that all the people in the chat want to see, um, but, but we might get to them at some stage as well. Um, Phil, how are you? I'm, I'm using my periscope here to see what's going on. Why is that mic up at your forehead? Because uh, it's well, I could pull it down like this, and yeah. I could turn it that way, and I could pull it back a know. wee bit. I don't, I don't know. know what sounds I better. Hear, I can hear the spring absolutely straining in as you Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's definitely one out of the studio. Um, but how are you? No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Oh, it is. It is. It is. It, it is. is. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. I know it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's um, the one that we had on the mixing desk. Correct. Um, yeah. How are we? <laughs> I'm all good. I'm all good, Gav. We had a we've had a good week of training. Uh, we're only two and a half weeks out now from the race, so uh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Life is good. I'm I'm, pra- I'm 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 hydrating at this moment in time. So good stuff. I like to see. Can I ask you something quickly though? Um, there was an Ironman competition on in Ireland over the weekend. There was. And I won. What the fuck went on there? So well, well, um, Paseo said it sounded better. Where's where up here? See, yeah. Um, it turns out, right? No, it doesn't turn so, out. So, two the, people the, passed away during this. Yeah, this is tragic now, to be fair, right? Two people passed away. And yeah, no, because when I actually r- seen it, I said to myself, I actually thought, could Phil Casey be in that? And that's not a joke at all. Did he kill I don't, those people? I, no, no, I, it wasn't. It was like, could he be in this? Because I know you do, you're planning loads of stuff. And I was like, could this be in one of the dates? But. It looked like I've seen a short video and it looked like, how is anybody allowing this to go ahead? So just, right, right. I'm not an expert when it comes to water safety and um, and life saving and stuff. I'm not a lifeguard, so I'm not going to pretend to know, right? Mm-hmm. But from what I know of people who are involved around the event, um, it seems to be that they checked sort of earlier and it looked all right. And then by the time the race was meant to go off, it was very wavy. But there's a part that says that once you get past the, the wave, you know where the waves are breaking onto the beach? Yeah. Like, the, it's relative roll that's in, in the ocean. It wasn't like there was breakers f- five, ten feet at that point in, in time, right? So, um, but I think the confusion and the danger comes from the fact when people are going into the water, they're getting hit all mm-hmm. constantly and it was knocking bodies into each other. And they said there was meant to have been like a, a lot of concern. They'd cancelled what had happened was the half iron man was ca- on the saturday was cancelled right so they put the half iron man back to with the full iron man they'd reduced the swim from 3.8 kilometers down to 1.9 kilometers because the, a certain part they said it was it was going to be too dangerous to do the full 3.8 so everyone was going in at the same time so the now there's an argument over whether it was authorized or not um ironman the event organizers who were the international ironman piece that was going on are saying they didn't receive triathlon ireland's notification until after the swim had taken place so it was, if they hadn't received it right there was nothing to do with it. so i'd say look this is all going to be about um liability and stuff like that mm. sadly what comes after it and we eventually there's got there's an investigation that's going into it but like i've seen or not Ironman, but i've seen triathlons where they've cancelled the swim leg because the sea was too choppy right yeah. normally if it, if it gets to that level of choppiness it's very unusual to see an event take place so yeah it's um it's it's it's, it's very sad um a lot of people took part in it and, and finished it successfully and and to be fair the iron man that iron man 70.3 and y'all is is very well renowned in terms of what it is because there's a hill in the in the bike race windmill hill that's a really steep vertical climb as you come out of the, the the cycle itself and that's after you've gone around cork in terms of the hills and, and stuff that roll around there and you've got this really steep hill and there's like a massive um crowd that come out every year to watch it and cheer them on so like it's a real sort of proper event and proper known event in terms of the Ironman stuff but like this again it's ireland it's the atlantic ocean we literally just had a storm blowing off the coast on the friday night and um, it seems to have been a big leap to to do the swim leg and that's from my untrained unprofessional eye in terms of what it is when anybody sees the pictures it looks terrifying i would have been terrified i think it would have been enough for me that if i was signed up for it to say nah i'll um i'll skip this because yeah yeah 
You know, um, but I, I also understand the pressure you feel when you've trained and you've done all, you turn it on up and they tell you the event is on. Does it as a participant in an awful lot of these events? There's a pressure to go ahead. It's not just the pressure, but you're putting your trust in the people who are running the events. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that they've checked it and, it and it's good to know what's going. So it'd be, as I said, I, I think a lot of us will be interested, particularly people who take part in similar type events and these type of events. Interesting to see what goes on, and it probably brings a lot of focus onto. And the organizers to have that level of responsibility and safety yeah. with us. And they could have run it as a duathlon. They could have just scrapped the swim part and done the bike and then into the run, um, which they've done in, in, in different triathlon Ireland badged events. So I know there's a couple where they've cancelled the swim leg to do just the, the, the bike run leg instead. Yeah. Look, um, I thought I'd ask you about it because it's, it's, it's something that you're into. Um, but look, condolences to the, to the families mm. of the two people that passed away. And hopefully, like Kev O'Sullivan says, I think the inquest will nail, nail down the timeline with regards to who knew what and when. Um, let me pee. How are you? All good, all good. Everybody in Spain delighted, and that they that they got one over on the English women's team. So they're all watching the game. Good all... game. Spain were impressive. Yeah, yeah. They're at that war. There's a civil war um, between the staff and the players. So that's interesting to see. Hmm. Um, but Spain, you know, as you know, they they're relatively new, um, you know, democracy. So they still have a lot of old kind of old fashioned ways. Most of the the staff on the staff side are men. Um, so it's creating a, a quite an agitating dynamic between the players and the staff. And apparently the, the World Cup was won despite the organisation. Mm. Um, I, I, I did see news around when I was watching the, the footage. Um, I, I was in a pub in Liverpool watching it. And um, no, it was a good game. Spain fully deserved a victory, I thought. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, very good. Well, any game that ends with English tears. Well, I didn't mind. I was sitting watching. I just uh, it was a it was a good game. I just liked. It. I enjoyed the the fact it was a good game. Um, but Spain definitely um came out on the right end of the result and, and deservedly saw my Yeah, sorry, just Tom Boland there mentioned the kiss. Just to, qu- to quickly touch on that, that was the the, the chief of the Spanish football uh, federation. I think there's so much. They call them rebeldes in causa, um, rebels without a cause. Um, there's so much kind of agitating going on. It it was uh, if you watch the kiss. It was like a scene from The Godfather, like the Judas kiss between Al Pacino's character <laughs> and um, and John Cazale's ca- character. It was, it was a grab, more of a, a to hell with you kiss, to be honest with you. And I think more will come out. But apparently she made a statement straight, saying straight away that she didn't want to be kissed and she certainly didn't want to be kissed by him. So mm. there's more to come from that. But Spain can't win, lose or draw without there being some sort of drama anyway. Yeah. Um, right, let's get into this. Uh, winners and losers. Phil, we're going to start with you. Your winner of the week. Saudi Arabia FC. Okay, right. go on. Not to go on it. It sort of works on that level, Pete. So... I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the, the City and Newcastle and you look at Chelsea and the money that's been pumped in there as well. And the whole sort of story behind this is just vanished. Right? It's it's a story now. It's I think it's amazing that Newcastle are portrayed as this David taking on Goliath, which is the football world. And this is at the same time that the Saudi Arabians are looking to put a team into the Champions League, um, promising to invest as much money as they possibly can into UEFA, which is obviously a way to buy it in the back door. And what will happen uh, with FFP? Because FFP doesn't exist, and they'll, they won't make a blind bit of difference. I'm, I'm, And then throw in the fact that the, even though Saudi Arabia, the Newcastle, sorry, not Saudi Arabia, Newcastle United FC, not Saudi Arabia, United FC, um, even though they're not owned by Saudi Arabia, the uh, Saudi Arabian national team decided to choose St. James's Park, which is obviously a natural fit to the, to the natural uh, habitat of Saudi Arabia as their European base for games um, in this international break, which is bizarre to say the least. Like, I'm stunned. I'm genuine. Normally, I'm I am literally, literally, right, the most like, non-stunned person you can get when it comes to these things. But I cannot get over how easy, how easy it is for all this to be brushed under the carpet by the mainstream press. It just shows you how deep the pockets are. It just shows you how easy it is to bury anything that you want when it comes to um, buying off the press, buying off the house. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. And to me, it's ruining 
we talked about it with Manchester City and, and Eddie has, right? But this is to another level. And it's to a level that we never, like, you know, on the same day that there was reports coming out of a massacre of Egyptian immigrants on the border, right? They put out a big thing about this new, you know, this walled city that, that this six trillion dollar build that they're starting to do, which buries that story in, in the main papers. And they also put out the story around, around how far progressed now they are with Neom Trajina, which is the ski resort they're building in the middle of a desert, a ski resort building in the middle of the desert and all these things garner more clicks than anything else and just buries the other pieces that nobody wants to see and, and for me gav the ultimate winner when i sat there see, watching the city and, and the newcastle game i'm just there going none of this nothing of, of, of real consequence nothing of real matter actually matters as long as you to buy fluff put it around it package it up and people are willing to just accept it and i can't get over the acceptance of people in terms of how they are just letting, like there should be protests there should be mass protests in grounds across england against this there should have been marches on and i hate saying like there should be there should genuinely be marches against the, allowing this type of money into any league it's not just the english league it's any league across europe but the fans outside of probably germany have not been interested because it comes back to tribalism and all they want is to be the biggest shiniest toy that you possibly can get to create this almost um monopoly within a league that sits there and as much as they're trying to be modest about how they're going about and spending money and etc so that they're not going to do it in as blatantly as say the etihad have done it at um at, at city there like we know that it's a matter of time until the big big huge manager comes in and they spend the big huge money because once chelsea don't get pulled to task over their imaginary spending once city don't have to answer their 115 charges it's basically declared an open season on whatever the hell they want to do it's, it's yeah. open season so when when i said what i said this is and this is for me gav is when i looked at it it's to that this weekend that match in particular to me was the ultimate position whereby it's just now accepted that newcastle and their backing is this little David taking on the Goliaths of football when in reality it's not it's something that it's basically the culmination of a horrible horrible uh, sports washing approach to football that's gone on for the last 12 to 18 months yeah um P yeah can I just say rather than shine a light Phil is right completely completely agree but rather than shine a light and talk about the absolute disgusting nature of what the PIF do and the disgusting a lack of equality and disgusting people that they are. I'd rather shine a light on NUFC fans against sport, sports washing because it's the first time. It's the first time that I've seen a group of fans, and it's maybe because they're already because they've been fighting their entire lives for their existence. They fought Thatcher better than even the Welsh did. They, you know, they these people fight. If they don't want you, they don't want. If they think there's something wrong with you, they will fight you to the bit around. Now, I'm not saying that they're they're, they're they're the majority, but they seem to have the soul of the club and firmly in their in their grip and they're they're getting a lot of it. I would rather focus on them because listen to give you another example in politics you only have to look at what's going on in the United States for example when Donald Trump left office his son-in-law Jared Kushner took two billion dollars from from the, the from the Saudi prince I mean and it's not talked about it's a bit like what Philip talk, talks about. It's not talked about in American media enough. What they prefer to talk about is the possibility that maybe, you know, Joe Biden's son, who was a drug addict at the time, maybe tried to introduce a few people in the Ukraine for the quid pro quo with no proof. But there is absolute an absolute trail, a trail. I mean, it's not denied. It's been said. And even the Saudi prince himself, you know, is on record saying, I have... Um, young Jared Kushner in my pocket, basically he said. It. So, I mean, if ever if ever you were uh, disillusioned enough to believe, like I was, that there is some sort of you know people that want to do things right, no, it's been completely sold from under our feet, and it's been going on for quite a while. So, I would rather focus on, and I would I would appeal to anybody out there who is friends with the guys who organise. This, this Newcastle United fans against sport because I'd love to have them on here sometime and start shining light on what they're doing because to be honest with you you can, you can come to a point where you just accept it and say it's part of the game and hopefully it'll be our turn or you can keep saying no these guys took a New York Times journalist 
and they chopped him up into 17 pieces and buried him out the back of the Turkish embassy. That's what they did. They have they execute routinely execute um, children, women at leisure. There is I would rather say, listen, you're not going to stop people from being for sale. You're not going to stop Sandro Tonali turning up at St. James's Park with a face as long as Monday because he doesn't really want to be there. But AC Milan just couldn't wait to, to sell him. He was their future and was like, nope, sold. So there's no point in lamenting that. I would rather shine a light on the people that really matter. And that's people like uh, Newcastle fans, NUFC against sports watching. Let's talk about them and what they're doing. Let's talk about the people who've been murdered by these regimes. And let's not let those people and their, their widows and their families be brushed under the carpet like they meant nothing. Because that could be me. That could be any of us. If you step on the wrong side of these people, you will disappear. And people will just turn a blind eye because, oh, here's another five million for a local charity that charity that you want to be involved in. Thank you very much. No, these people need to be, if you can't hold them to task, at least keep reminding them of the scumbags that they are. Well, you, right. I, I completely get your points on about, about what, what you are saying, right? Um, you know, when you look at if you take Saudi Arabia as a example, um, there's plenty of examples out there as to what way that regime works. That's fine, right? Um, it's not fine, but you know what I mean. We, we've we've seen examples. The and I, I don't want to say the biggest thing uh, in this because it's probably not. But the, the alarming thing for me in all this is that if you take it just on money spent or what way this is being worked. The organisations that govern football are looking on this and letting it go, right? Now, the argument can be had all day about where the money comes from, what the regime is, whatever, blah, 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 the toys and stuff like that. But for me, when I look at it, from a, just a, a, and you've, you've both done it with football and, and a kind of a political side of it, but if I take just the football side of it, what I'm watching unfold in front of us, in my opinion, right, is governing bodies absolutely turning this wheel and absolutely right behind this wheel as they turn it and that's a huge like I, I'm afraid to say biggest issue because you know you know you'll you get bleeding you know attacked for that but that is a major major part of this okay Newcastle United have spent 425 million pounds in the last whatever and that's fine right Premier League clubs, majority of them can spend that amount of money. They just can, okay, because of the TV rights and everything else. The toys between Chelsea and Newcastle, PIF, Saudi Arabia, all that sort of stuff, is starting to become quite blatant, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kev mentioned the loan deal there for a young Chelsea left-back to go to Newcastle, and yeah, you can pay us next year. This, now, if you remember... That's fine if Newcastle can do a deal with somebody like that because they might be close to P, uh, the FFP, and I'll put that in inverted commas. But this is the same Chelsea that were scrapping around to get rid of players a week ago in order to sign Moises Saicedo. What's changed? You know the sort of way? Like, they should be genuinely out to sign a Moises Saicedo and Romeo Lavia saying, we need money and we need it now. We, we can't wait a year before we start getting our five million a year. We need it now on the books. And that's the thing that turns up for me. Um <clears throat> you see you see people all the time. And I know where you're coming from with the Newcastle stuff against sports watching, but at the end of the day, there's nobody walking into that ground and saying anything, P. There's nobody walking into that ground and saying anything. There's nobody outside it. Right. And if they are, they're being drowned out very, very yeah, quickly. Newcastle fans are born in Saudi flags at, at where? the at the Gallagher end. I heard the In the I'm ground. Sorry. Yeah, somebody somebody In the ground. Yeah, from whatever, maybe it was outside the ground, but they're born in flags. Right. Not, and by the way, okay. they've been called racists. They're not racist. They're not. No, they're it's not, no. You see, you see, that's racist. that. You see, that's the thing. Like, and, and I've said it before. It? I've said it before. We're in a situation here where Saudi Arabia, um, the Emirates, wherever it might be, are the the ones doing this at the moment. Okay, mm. if America came along and done this, it would be the same thing. If Norway, Spain, Germany, Japan. Whoever done this, you would have the same issue. It's not about where the money's coming from. It's about how the money is being used. Yeah. All right? But I get Phil's point going back to it originally, 
All right, and we've we've argued this loads and loads and loads, and it's, it's just going to keep rumbling on because, like Phil said, there's not enough outrage over it. But I go back to Phil's point with regards to the football inside of it. Nobody's talking about that anymore because we are in a generation where, oh, they're spending all that money, and it's just huge excitement across sports channels, twenty four hour sports news channels, so saying they're about to sign this and they're about to do that, and you know, what is it? It leads to interaction. It leads to people clicking on stuff and it leads to them making money. And once they are making money in all of this, it will never, ever stop. Now, it probably comes down to principles, right? Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. Have many clubs got principles? If this money came along, I highly doubt it. I highly, highly doubt it. And I include Liverpool's owners in that. I think if, if somebody walked in tomorrow and said, we're going to do what Chelsea, Newcastle, Manchester City are going to do, but we're going to offer you six billion quid to take this club, they'd be gone. The principles aren't there. The principles are then upheld by the people that follow the club. But at the same time, I go back to it. You're in a generation now where, what? We These guys are going to spend 500 million. Who gives a fuck about anything else? That's where you are at the moment. And look, I keep banging on about it on this channel. People hate when I do. Some people hate it. Some people despise it. Some mm-hmm. people like when I do. But what do you want? Do you want me to just sit here and fucking say, I know it's all good. And and I've I've put it on record that if Liverpool are taken over by any state, and I mean any fucking state, Gibraltar could buy them tomorrow. I am against it because you are then in the in the we're in the realm of this is going to get messy very quickly, very murky, and your club. You mean we're getting mean, messy? Uh, no, no, we're not. He's, he's fucking. He's what two? He's, he said, he said it was going to get messy. Very, we're going to get messy very quickly. He's scoring eight goals a game in America. Um, but but you know what I mean? Like it, it all depends where you stand on it. I've I made it clear where I stand on it, but it has to come down for me to the governing bodies. But I left this on screen. Richard Masters, Premier League CEO, I think that means, in an interview in the US last month said he wanted more sovereign wealth funds on billionaires to buy Premier Clubs. They don't care where the money What's comes it? from. They What's do it? not Gav, care. Gav, Gav, there's there's a point there, and it is true that it's Aaron Copoy puts it up there, right? In, in terms of what they said. And this is this is the logic, and this is where it's like Turkey's voting for Christmas. If you attract in all the sovereign wealth funds and you attract in all the biggest states in terms of what it is that comes in, okay, eventually. They don't want competition. People people lost their head about the proposed Super League that was going to go on instead of the Champions League that was there, right? Mm-hmm. If you think that these wealth funds, when they can get their own toys to play their own game all the time without any fear of ever missing out, do you honestly think that they don't want to have their toys in the special league that only their toys can play in? Absolutely not. That's what they want. This is the this is the absurdity of, of thinking that there's some there is a great way hope in terms of either Manchester City or UEFA all came riding to save football's interest. They didn't. They came to save their own interest and generate as much money as they could from whatever fund or whatever nation state was offering the most money. And I know Pete makes good points around the politics side, but I keep coming back to the football side and why the sports washing exists and what their plan is at the moment. The plan is to drive a greater acceptance of the Saudi state on the international world stage. They want the World Cup. They want the big events. They want to bring football matches to Saudi Arabia to, to champion their state in the same way Qatar did it. And the same way Qatar did it with, with PSG and they got the World Cup and they got all that type of stuff. This is now seen as a way to legitimize what you're doing and the development of your own state. And in a certain manner, you can understand it. But it's also a simple way to bury bad stories. If I'm a government, if I'm any government now, what do I look for? I look for something that can bury the bad news. Like You take us closer to home. You take even here. If there's something bad going on, they look for the, the nearest olive branch they can grab, which typically is sports or something that they can all lash onto. We've got a 400-meter... <coughs> that has the chance of winning the world championship medal every single one of our senior politicians will be lined up to shake their hands and be wanting to be seen with them right it's like when katie taylor won the world championships or gold medals this is what this is what governments do to legitimize what they do and why they do it right Mm -hmm. so ultimately 
when I said that these were the biggest winners, I keep coming back to, and I don't mean to, to it's not to dismiss really shit things that are going on in the world across lots of different things, right? But when when you have the media now starting to push that this is the David and not the absolute monster that's standing in the corner waiting to annihilate everything that's in front of it, right? That's when you know that the institution and the fund or the nation state or whoever it is has won because that means that the media is now selling the story that will attract the attention that all it needs to get to is look at plucky Eddie Howe leading this Newcastle team into the into the Champions League and he's got him to be competitive with the great Manchester City or the greats of whoever it is and isn't it amazing the job that he's done when let's be honest about it you know, if, if you lash 500 million in it, a team should be compared, should be able to get into the top six of, of the league, with the exception of everything. It's not um, even the fact that you, well, everything, yeah, but it's not even the fact you lash in four or 500 million. It's the fact that that four or 500 million has now has a vehicle to be written off in whatever way you feel like it to start again. That's where the Chelsea stuff comes from. And like, do you, you talk about Qatar and, and, and say Manchester United? And I, I, I have the belief that Qatar are probably looking at Manchester United going, oh, hold on, wait off here. We need to see what happens with regards to Chelsea and City before we go in there. Are they going to make a stand? Because I'll tell you now, look, if, if tomorrow it turned around and, and, and the Premier League went, look, Chelsea have sold enough and they're absolutely fine. The City charges, turns out, um, no, nothing's happening. Newcastle will go through the roof and Qatar will be in throwing another billion on top of that United bit. That's that's the way I see it. But look, it's, it's probably something that we leave for the minute. We might come back if anything ever happens on, on these on these clubs and, and sanctions and whatever else it is. Um, P, your loser of the week. Manchester United. Okay. From Because there's somebody told me, somebody said a long time ago, and it stuck in my head. It was like, what a weird thing to say, that, you know, a, a snake rots from the, or fish rots from the head down um it's unbelievable to think i mean phil and i grew up together and we hated manchester united but we respected them you know they were you know we they had old man ferguson and he was and he was well i did i respected him when i heard he was sick i was gutted and all that but had what happened at manchester united recently happened under him i mean young greenwood would be and I don't want to don't want to touch on this too much. No, I'm not going into Greenwood if you don't want. Well, the young the young lad in question would be, um, would probably be in Siberia or somewhere like that. He'd be certainly he'd be he'd be he would be playing football. He wouldn't be it wouldn't be a a, a Roman uh, a Roman question, you know, yay or nay. I think you know I only want to touch on this once. It's unbelievable that something like that can happen, and it can be. Let's put our foot in the water and see what people actually think. Let's not talk about. Let's not dignify that stance and that situation anymore. That's a huge reason they're losers. But even bigger is what's going on on the park, or rather, what isn't. I mean, I look at Eric Ten Hag to be honest with you, and he's doing an impression, a physical impression of um, of Pep Guardiola. He's dressing like him. I mean, he was already bald. That's fair enough. He's trying to trying to come across like him, and it's just soldier two point zero tactically all over the place from the appoint from appointing a guy like Fernandez as. As, as captain and leader in any capacity, um, to the whole stance of, of you know, I heard people lauding him for not taking any rubbish, not you know, getting rid of people that weren't working out. No disrespect to Harry Maguire, but if the, again, if it's somebody else, you know, they're like, listen, they're paying him his loyalty money, and they're showing him the door, and they're bringing somebody else in. There's so many. You could talk all night about why the re- losers of the week. You know, not getting results is is just part of it, but. I mean, I was led to believe that Eric Ten Hag was this great tactician. I just see somebody that is, again, another, just another guy who's like, this is, I have my way. Um, you know, Marcus Rashford walking around with a face on him because he, he's playing through the middle, which he had been crying to play for you. I don't get I don't get I don't know what Marcus Rashford wants, to be honest with you. If I was a Manchester United supporter, I'd be very frustrated with him. I just, I think... For me, for a, a myriad of reasons, Manchester United are absolutely unrecognisable from the club that I grew up being terrified of. They're, the, they're a comedy show. So for me, they're the losers of probably many weeks to come, to be honest. Um, I'll let Phil go last on this, so I'll jump in. 
Um, All right, you jump in. Well, you jump in. I've just got to get a, a can. Yeah, go on. You, don't, get you don't want to listen to what I'm saying anyway. Um, well, you probably use the earphones and you can still it's hear. Terrible, but the, right, I think Ten Hag's getting away with more. Right, and I think we're not just talking about deflective tactics in, in on a huge scale with regards to owners of football clubs and stuff like that. I think the ownership stuff over Manchester United you know, is a massive deflective deflection tactic that's working in Eric Ten Hag's favour. And then you hear the likes of Neville, who two weeks ago told you it was either Man City or, or Man United that would win the title, um, spend 45 minutes on Saturday evening explaining what, what Manchester United need and why they're not backed and stuff like that. But when I look at them playing, just on a footballing sense, if you're going to put them the loser of the week because of they've been beaten by Spurs the weekend, they actually start the game quite well. They attack quite well. They've, they've had plenty of shots, possession. Um, they're a better team for the first half an hour, without a shadow of a doubt. Don't get the goal. I think they hit the post. Spurs end up hitting the post in the bar quickly um, near the end of the half. And then they turn around the second half and Spurs literally turned it up one notch and United were all over the place. And I'm looking at him saying to myself, he's bought Mason Mount and he's decided that he's going to stick him deep in the two. Mason Mount doesn't play deep in the two. You've got your man Anthony, who I think he's fairly has to justify. He's playing Bruno Fernandes, who's a really good footballer, but I get the leadership stuff. But then even when Bruno Fernandes plays, he throws him out right to keep Mount in a 10 position. He has Rashford up front. He doesn't like playing up front. He wants to play off the left. He feels yeah. he's a left-sided or he's a left-sided attacker. That's fine. Yes. Right? Um, and I'm just looking around. Casemiro looks like he's lost a bit of his pace. And then you yeah, have... Yeah. But then you have... Um, but then you have Neville saying things like they need another striker. They've just bought one. They've literally paid 70 million quid for one. They need another midfielder. They've literally spent 55 million quid on one. Okay? And they're, he's refusing to play Scott McTominay for some reason. When the the big sense to me is Puck McTominay with Casemiro, okay? And instead of your back four being torn apart while Casemiro runs around like a dog with two dicks, at least you have two there because the other lads don't want to come back. So to me, tactically, they look all over the place, right? Harry Maguire is not leaving the club because Harry Maguire is entitled to a lot of money from Manchester United. Gary Neville, Gary Neville spoke to the night and he went, like, they're telling us that they can't get anybody else in unless they get bodies out. And said it in a way where it was like, isn't this ridiculous? But it's not. Any business is not going to just keep loading itself with supposed assets. While other assets sit there rotting away, losing value because you've signed these ones over here. And you know that these lads that you don't want to play, are never, you're never going to get the money for them. And you will get even less if you keep filling their positions over and over again. Um, to me, it's... Look... Ten Hag might work out well for United, but I don't know. I don't know if he will. And right now, I don't think there's enough of a spotlight on him because everything, everything, and every point that's being made is caveated with the Glazers and the Estandula. They've spent another, I I would reckon, 170 to 180 million this summer. Okay, when you look at that forward mount and the goalkeeper, I'd say it's somewhere close to that. Okay, and now... Like, God forbid. But listen, we need to get a couple of boys out here if we want to bring one or two in. Like, how? why is that so alien to people? I think he's getting away with murder. And, um, yeah, let's see how it progresses. Phil? He's a spoofer. I, I, I would always... Um, I would always educate on caution because they started really slow last year and everyone thought ten Hag was going to be 10 games and gone, right? Um jumping in two feet as we found out at the weekend can get you a red card and uh what what i would say is that while they look a bit all over the shop last year they, they started off a bit all over the shop and, and did well throughout the course of the season and would have finished top four regardless of whether we were on a great season or a, or a poor season because they got enough points to finish top four um, yeah well the, 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 what in, in a general season feel is they're flat track bullies because they haven't yeah. won they haven't won in nine games i think against top six opposition do you have one of them and there's 
There's Pat the Butcher there jumping in. Eddie Howe's done a way better job at Newcastle than spending one. Pat Butcher's completely and... winding up. Definitely. 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 Yeah. Definitely. I can't believe you, No, I'm just, just <laughs> saying. It's just, it's just it's, uh, he's doing a great job there. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Mohammed bin Pat Butcher. Um, <laughs> anyway, right. Um, I, look, for me, anyway, the United show as losers of the week. I think Pete's mad, to be totally honest with you, right? There's like... This Ooh, you're, you're, you're gonna have to really, really sell this one, Phil. I mean, come on, I, I sold it as a package on and off the pack. I mean, lo- losers of the century for the position on. Don't get me started for the position on the. Young but you know, we're on. not going, as, as Gav said, we're not going into it, right? But oh, I've seen, I've, I've seen, did. I've seen clubs make absolute hames of situations, and our own club making absolute hames of situations as well and be just managed bad from the top down. And to me, when you said that this isn't United, you know, it is. It is. There's a period from 1990 to 2010 where it's the Ferguson era, and that's United. That's your your reference point. But, Pete, you're the same age as me. We saw United before that, right? Yeah. We've We've seen United since that. And that United... Is the exact same as the United we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, my point is that this is what they were before Ferguson, and this is what they are after Ferguson. Yeah. And to and to, and to think of them still as the ultimate body at the end of a level is not true. They haven't been that for the best part of ten years now. They haven't been anywhere close to that at the best part of ten years. There's a memory that these lads used to be the ultimate leveler at the it's end, 10 years right? since he won the title but this this is my point Gav. do you know what i mean every we're scarred by what we witnessed from 1990 to 2010 essentially right yeah okay? 92 to 14 i would say yeah. 14 in terms of what it was right a 20-year period that really really got to us but if you take the periods before then and the period since then you're looking at a club that was poorly run okay and that had a legacy of of having a period of a sustained period of of success, which is exactly what we're talking about. So, and if you talk about it from our point of view, that's where Liverpool also gets its name. But we've had we've had we've had weird success across all that time period in terms of that we've always been in existence with no matter who was top of the league, we always challenged some mad team, right? And we always managed to get ourselves into European Cup finals. That's what makes Liverpool so unique. No matter how bad they were, once they got into Europe, they always seem to challenge at the top table, no matter what, right? It just seems to be this, it's our unique selling point that we always challenge. I'm I'm genuinely hoping that we go to run and win the Europa League this year because it's the one trophy club hasn't won, right? So I think it's 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 great that we're in it. People won't agree with me, but I think it's great if you could just get the, do a clean sweep, I'd be absolutely delighted if you win every single trophy. Well, you know what I mean? It'd be brilliant, right? But... When you say that, I don't, because I look at so many other things that have gone on. If you talk about purely football, and you look at other clubs that are that are sitting there that have, like, to 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 have them loser of the week and not have Chelsea loser of the week, Chelsea were destroyed. They've spent half a billion in a week, right? Yeah, see, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have picked that either. Them, I'd have picked. No, no, I'm, but I'd have I'm actually just, went I'm, like I'd have broke out six cans and went there. Uh, PGMOL again. Um, just for the, for the sake <laughs> oh, hang on, but yeah, but we've already got this, so you'll see what'll happen now in a few minutes, Gav. Um, but but my point is right when when we talk about that, I just keep coming back to this is what we've come to expect from a David Moyes United team, from a Mourinho United team, from a Solskjaer United team, from an Eric Ten Hag United team, from a Louis Van Gaal United team. Like, what's the big difference? I don't mean that in a very condescending, smart no, way. But the, I, just... I, I, no, I fully agree with you because the, the, the process rolls on. The process rolls on where they continue to spend loads of money, players turn up, and it's like, why is he playing deep? Why is he playing there? Why is he playing there? And But again, I, I, and, and I get what you're saying. Like, you know, they, they finished top four comfortably last season. I, I, I completely get that. What they've actually turned themselves into is a team that looks at the bottom 13 and says, let's take as many points as we can and forget the rest. Forget the other six up to, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, the other six teams. And, you know, what happens, happens. But we'll make top four that way. And that that feels a bit Arsenal to me. You know, mm. um, that's what Arsenal done from 
probably 2010 right up to 2016 i think um but <clears throat> the thing is like um it's it just it just motors on at the same sort of thing that, that, that's what i'm saying and, and don't get me wrong we could be sitting in six months going chase they're well in the top four easy but when you look at the results and what this fella's being brought in to do and what he's spent and how they've brought this thing across like takes no messing does this does this does this and i'm gonna go on yeah, but it's still all the same. It's still the fucking same outcome. Same thing coming out of the fucking oven. It's still yeah, the same he, shit. He takes plenty of messing. He's been he's been he's been um he's been put across um he's being put across in a different way. But look, um I, I would I get where you're coming from and why did he pick that as the loser of the week, but I kinda get it at the same time because it just feels like why this is just going on and on and on and, and the stuff I outside of what's on the pitch seems to just um shelter i think what's what's going on on it uh pete staying with you winner of the week brighton i picked a bright i mean it seems like listen they haven't played the best teams they've played Luton, i think hammered them four one um and uh, who did they hammer four stay four one as well no they beat Luton four one on the fourth day and they yeah. went and won away at wolves four one yeah. yeah. Now probably both relegation fodder. Um but you gotta get the job done. You know, they've sold arguably supposed to be their best player in years. Um and they seem to be targeted they seem to be targeted for you know, for more players to, to get out the door. But James Milner's gone in there and he's done what he's been asked to do. A young Solly March who looks and looks like an international player. It's it's mad. This I know listen, they, they say teams like, like Brighton are greater than the sum of all their parts and I, I think it's right in the in in there i think maybe i should have went for deserby as a coach it's incredible to watch what they're capable of doing under him i to be honest i heard i heard of him and i heard oh yeah he pulled up trees in Serie and all this i wasn't really convinced but my god it's very difficult to stop football when it's played correctly you know a lot, a lot of people try to position you know the big spending coaches like eddie howe pat butcher and like uh, this, is what, what annoys me about when Pep Guardiola is labelled a genius. Real genius is taking people that can do things and improving them, like what Klopp has done before, when he was at Mainz, when he was at Dortmund, and arguably with us, obviously. But I think Deserbi's in that mould. I think he's in that mould. He's very good at going in, seeing what you can do. I mean, Lewis Dunk looks like a world beater. It's 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 insanity, and it doesn't matter who seems to be in the middle of his midfield. They just look like they're two and three steps ahead of everybody else. Whereas Moise Caicedo looked like he hadn't seen a ball. I know, but Moise Caicedo has played 20 minutes for Chelsea. Like, he's come on into a team that... That was great crack. It was great crack, but then then you're going back to to being too early on United. Like, Moise Caicedo is a brilliant footballer. But still great Okay, well, let me defend that. If you're a brilliant footballer, you know you're going into a cauldron. You know, it's a it's a difficult game. West Ham absolutely despised Chelsea probably more than anyone else. Just get in there and keep it neat. A bit like Endo, just went in and kept it neat and tidy. Did what he needed to do. You know, if you if, uh, you say he's going to the cauldron, if you're if you're, if you're such yeah. if you're such if you're such a uh, all, all, all I saw in my head was Gargamel in the Smurfs like this. <laughs> yeah. I just, the head just got around in circles like this. I think um, uh, getting back to Brighton oh. though, um, I, I, but Brighton Gav I, as winners, yeah, I mean, yeah like, it doesn't matter who plays, they play yeah. the same way. Do you know he's great bottle. You know I watched Crystal Palace at the weekend as well, and they've so many gifted footballers, but they've been told to bypass most of them and hit Edward here, and Edward doesn't want to be hit there. He might be a big lad, but he wants to defeat and he wants to torn people and he wants to finish like he did at Celtic, and. As much as I respect what Roy Hutchinson did at the end of last season, it was very much needs must. Now you've got a clean slate. You've got a squad full of gifted players. I know you've lost one of them, Zaha, but you've got to go and play football. And he refuses to do that. He refuses. Whereas Deserby, he doesn't seem to care who's in the eleven. They're going to play his way. They're going to play it out from the back and they're going to beat you with the football. Hmm. Because of him, Brighton are my winners of the week. Chris Brax says Everton are my winners of the week, especially Tarkowski's post-match interview made me laugh. I didn't see that, so if anybody wants to hit me up with a link to that, you know where to find me, because that would be amazing over a cup of tea in about 20 minutes. Um, 
feel um, well. Everton might come up again. Um, they play they play Wolves this weekend, so a defeat there, and and we might dedicate a show to them on Monday night. Um, but feel like in all seriousness, Brighton are very impressive. Um, and I know they've beaten Luton and they know they've beaten Wolves, but the thing that impressed me most about them is, um, they're brilliant in the market, um, both selling and, and buying. Um, they have a structure there at the club, um, with a sporting director slash owner managing director whatever they're calling themselves um do you know who the sporting director is they, they have a clear idea do you um, know who the sporting director david is? weir david weir yeah so yeah. but they have they have a they have a clear idea of what they want to do before it's done and i mean what i mean by that is we might lose this fella this is what we want to do and they're, and they're bang on the money the the outlook that manager has is really really good and like i agree with p no matter who's in the eleven, he has a way of playing. It's very, very brave for a team that you would consider probably somewhere between seventh and tenth in the league. I think it's extremely brave, and um, it will be a lot easier to be more cautious to make sure you don't get dragged further down that division and get get yourself into trouble. But um, I'm kind of glad. I don't think it's the biggest result of the weekend, um, with regards to how impressive it was because of the opposition. Mm. But I'm kind of glad Brighton got a mention because. Everything they do, in my opinion, um, you just look and you go, you know what? Fair play to you. Mm. Feel you don't. There's no plan B. They just do what they do. It's great to watch. Listen, for me, I think what they're doing is great. No disrespect in any way, shape, or form. It's very impressive that they've managed to turn over staff and players, <coughs> even sporting directors, because they're sporting director now. They're the original sporting director that we've we've witnessed over the last three years has gone to Newcastle and has gone in there, right? Um, and David Weir's taken over after spending twelve months sort of shadowing them in terms of what was there. So that's impressive. They've got a great structure in place in terms of their scouting and recruitment, which is what we had. I come back to what we talked about last week. Of they 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 are following a very similar statistical model to what was in place at, at our club. Right. That's been adopted by so many clubs across the Premier League because of the results that Liverpool got over. Um, the Premier League is very much, and football in general is, is, and sport in general is a copycat league. So what works really well somewhere will be adopted and changed and improved on by whatever. Like all this inverted uh, fullback stuff that you hear them talk about by um, Pep, that's just a rehash of something that was done before. Even the original Tiki Taka in Barcelona was a rehash of the Dutch system, which is a rehash of the Hungarian system. So it is just about repeat with a little twist all the time. And that's what we're seeing at the moment. Brighton will have their period and then their bits will be poached as we've seen. And it's mm. how good you replace those bits that get poached essentially. They have to live in the mid table. And I think what they've done is amazing getting into Europa League, but they, they'll be happy finishing either from seventh, to 14th do you know what i mean like that's where they're they're going to be able to live with because they're going to be in continual transition to what they are as a club as winners of the week you know again going back to at this stage of the season for me a great result that you see is fantastic but like why them over say west ham who because the manner feel the manner it like i said i look at look at him and i think he i don't think that guy cares like you'd hear another manager whinge and moan, oh, I'm losing. So, so hang on, Pete, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. How can, but, but how can you say they don't care? They came off winning the um, GM Vauxhall Europa Conference last year, right? They, yeah, you know, yeah. Moyes has finally won a trophy, so they had to take yeah. the, the, the statue down in Taft's Tavern, right? They, yeah. they, like, f this is from what they like. The, I just don't see it. It's very hard for me at the moment to pick a team. As yeah. winners of the week, right? No, you're I, right. I'll give you one thing though. West Ham could have got it from me by the signing of James Ward Prowse alone. If you're a team that only sees about 25, 30 percent of the position, he is per game. He is the perfect sign. I tell you why, because he brought the best out in who's the lad that runs around a lot up front with the muscles. Oh, Antonio. They we brought the best out in him and. If you're going to have the ball much less than the opposition, you might as well give it to someone like James Warprouse who will pick a pass for you. And for me, you're right. I could easily have went for West Ham for that reason. But it was just, I was too focused on Chelsea just getting torn over. But you're right. I, 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 think, I, we think, talked I think maybe it's not. Maybe when you're picking Brighton, it's not winner of the week. It's probably just someone that continuously impressed you and you think, yeah. I'd like to speak about them. I think that's where it probably yeah. comes from. Right, yeah, listen. Yeah. Yeah. Ten minutes left. <clears throat> um, Phil, loser of the week. 
Dear English football. Okay. <laughs> Go on. It's a generalisation, as you can imagine, because that's mm-hmm. me in, in a nutshell, right? This stems from, um, and I know the, the, you know, it's amazing tonight that uh, McAllister's red card was rescinded without having a public um, march against what was going on. But ultimately, English football, forget about the, the, the sports washing element, right? It's an institution. And sadly, the rhetoric that exists within the methodology of England is to defend the institution above all else, which has left us with a situation where the game is governed by deeply incompetent people with no competition and no sense of, of accountability or responsibility. You look at what happened on Saturday in our match and uh, you see that you have a referee give a red card for something which is as innocuous as, as can be. Um, there was no malice intended in the challenge. You could even see it in real time. Whatever about that, you have the the VAR assistant not advising that there was a clear and obvious error in the decision to send them off, which there was. Um, and then it takes until today for that to be overturned. It means nothing in the grand context because we won the game. But it does mean everything because there wasn't a single person out there that was expecting that red card to be overturned. Because if you wanted to slow it down and look for intent, you could easily find intent with him raising his boots in terms of that was going in for the tackle. Um, we've seen the mentality of the referees from your man that was on BT. It's to round the carts. It's to round the wagons. Um, there is a persistence with rewarding in incompetence, in essentially. The fact that Paul Tierney continues to ref in the league, the fact that Anthony Taylor keeps being chosen for Liverpool matches, the fact that we have a, a linesman who attacked one of our players that's allowed to be the VAR and be a linesman in those games. You go to the at the Arsenal-Crystal Palace game, do you see the sending off that happened in the Arsenal game? Outrageous. Outrageous that the Arsenal player was sent off for an imaginary pull that never happened. VAR didn't overrule that. And why is that? Because, again, the mentality is to protect the institution and as long as you're prepared to protect the institution and not prepared to look for improvement look for enhancement and look for improvability you will always end up down the path that we've seen time and time again whether it's been at the political level whether it's been at the social level when when it's been at the sports level defend the institution at all costs the referees you look at most of the leagues that they're progressing with var and progressing with the, the conversation it's that they've mic'd up the referees right they've mic'd up the referees so as you can hear the decision making that's going on with the video assistant referee with the conversations they're having on the pitch so is that the fans the players no there's no there's no sheltering from the decisions that's responsibility that's accountability gav right as long as you keep these conversations hidden as long as you keep going on like i I put out a a tweet there and I, i genuinely mean it this is a personal opinion so it's not a matter of fact or anything i'm not saying it's fact right but you cannot convince me that these guys are competent. You cannot convince me that there, there, that there is definitely no cases of the impact gambling. gambling going on in these places because the one person that can impact the result, there's three people on the pitch that can impact the result, right? They're the three people that can have a direct impact on a result. You can raise a flag, you can send the player off, you can give a penalty, and going back to again, as long as it's clear and obvious about an error that somebody has made, what's the point? You put incompetent people in charge of the technology. You put incompetent people in the middle of the pitch. You put incompetent people asking the referee the game. You reward incompetency when somebody's proved incompetent by putting them in charge of the same teams the following week, right? There is no accountability. Never have to pull the referee to explain the rationale, explain the actions. The week beforehand at the United match in the Wolves game, you have them coming out after the match and, and apologising to Wolves that they got the decision wrong, okay? That's no use. They'd lost the points at that stage. Those two points, if they draw one all that night, right? They draw one all that night in terms of what it is. Those two points could be the difference between a team staying up and getting relegated to what's going on. From my point of view, when we have the technology there, I don't want a PGOM, a PGMOL official running the, the video assistant referee. I don't want it there. I want an independent body. If an independent body can make a decision outside of what's happened, are an I want it body. on the VAR. No, so, well or an no, no, no. 
allegedly an independent body guard, right? They've they've come out of no, what was there. Yeah, definitely an independent body to the Premier League. They, they, no, another independent to the Premier League. But what I'm saying to you is they've come from the they've come from the institution that existed before mm. the Premier League existed. It was the FA. They were the referees. Then it becomes the, the Premier League. The fact that they're in an become... independent, the fact that they're in an independent body, is probably half the reason why all this shit goes on. Mm. Because yeah. like if institution round the wagons. Yeah, but the thing is, if they were employed by the Premier League, okay, the the prem the the pressure on the Premier League would would in, intensify. And listen, I'm not going to say an awful lot on this because I think what you've said is absolutely spot on. And I, I I'll say I've said it before and I'll say it again. When you have that little grey area that they can all just hustle in and say, you know what, boom, everyone in here until this cloud passes, there's no point. There's there's absolutely no point because. We've got to the stage now where they are referees are making decisions. It's going to VAR and clear stuff is being overlooked. The Onana one is a madness. Um the one on Tommy Yasu last night is a joke. Mm -hmm. The one on McAllister, the one on McAllister, it's a free kick. There's no doubt about it. But why isn't this being shown ten times on the TV? Because VAR are looking at it. And we'll show these replays while VAR are doing it. And it wasn't. It was one replay, he hands the red, and I'm waiting for McAllister to stand and wait, and he's walking down the tunnel. And nobody out there, there McGallagher on Sky even said, it's the wrong decision. It's mm -hmm. And he and listen, he has done amazing mental gymnastics on behalf of the PGMOL over the last year or so when he's on Sky. But even this one, he couldn't turn around and go, <clears throat> um, no. Well, actually, what he's thinking there is, look, there's two players going in for a ball. He hasn't stretched his leg out with his studs up. His foot is bent. His leg is bent as the studs are there trying to control the ball. He misses it. It's a yellow card. It's a free kick. Listen, we move on. But <clears throat> what, 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 your, what, like, we, we're going to end up being the fucking insane ones here. Um, mm. by trying to rationalize, not even rationalize, but continue to question these people all the time when you just know that they sit. With this little grey area where you don't have all the details and all this is this a directive from Howard Webb? Is this a well if hold on, you can't just decide it's a directive and tell nobody. Do you know the sort of way? So I agree one hundred percent with you on it. And Can I offer a solution? I'll get rid of them all. That would be my solution. Look, can I offer a solution? And a, a logical solution, right? What improves performance? Competition. Yeah. It's what exists in football. What exists in thing, right? There shouldn't be one referee's body. There shouldn't be one professional game match officials, right? There should be a second body, right? And clubs should be allowed to nominate which body they want to refer, ref, referee the matches. And I'm being straight up. And if it means going and paying for a referee from Germany or paying an Italian referee to come in or a Spanish referee to come in for individual matches, a team should be allowed to nominate, say, 10 games where they want a, a, an official from independent match officials association. Like just, just here, I'm not going to give a name, but you know what I mean? That forces the PGMOL to bring up their standards and then make the i want to say accountable i don't want fellas put up on a on a, on a, on a stilt and you throw tomatoes at them for bad decisions but if we mic them up and, and so that we can hear the explanation and the decision making processes that are going on on the pitch so as the fans can hear so the commentators can hear it right that changes the logic and the rationale to what all the conversations that we have out there because now we understand the decision making process now we understand what they see on the pitch this is not to get to at them this is not to get at them this is to understand how they arrive at the decision you're right. So it's too much of a Supreme Court feel, and they're far too comfortable. You know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Accountability. They they make it sound like a dirty word. Why should we be accountable to you? And again, it's protectionism, protecting the establishment. Why why are they the establishment? It should be competitive, and they should be marked out of ten. It should be, and it should be balanced. Somebody made a point in the comments that you know. Uh, exchanges between countries the australian uh mic up thing is fantastic but they're terrified and the thing that annoys me about what they do is they will send tierney they will send the guy with with the elbow they will send people who are suspected of harboring grudges against jorgen klopp and the club and they'll keep sending them to us because what they want to say is we don't buy into that nonsense 
And because the minute they don't send them, people will go, oh, they're not being sent because there's a problem there. And this this is the whole establishment in the UK, to be quite. It's, it's the way they think. But the, but, way the th- they think. but the thing is, like, it's not... VAR was brought in to reduce the amount of decisions that were incorrect in football. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, the amount of decisions that are made that are incorrect are probably about the same as they've ever been. Refs Might probably get it right 95% of the time. So let's not go on as if they're completely imbeciles, okay? But the issue here is that if I'm out there refereeing and I have to make 100 decisions in a game and I make 99 of them correctly and one of them is wrong, whether that's a red card or <coughs> a yellow or I don't see a handball, they've put a facility in place where there's guys watching multiple screens, mm-hmm. multiple replays and multiple speeds to be able to say where I'm able to say and be have the balls to say it. Like, the ref should have the balls to go, I'm, I'm thinking of giving a red here, but can you just let me know if, if I actually see him or I see him? And then these people come along and go, listen, Mick, what, you do, you, what you're seeing actually did happen, but not to the ferocity that you thought it happened in McAllister's case. It was very close to being you know, a 50-50 ball where they both connected. It was milliseconds that he, missed, that he missed. The guy has gone down. I'd suggest booking him because the foul and the position it was in and a yellow card. Absolutely fine, right? But what they've done here is, is they've turned it into the decision being compounded by A, not checking it, B, checking it and deciding, don't hang me mate out to dry, because that's the mentality. We're hanging this referee out to dry by changing his decision. You're not. You're assisting this guy who's watching a game going at a fucking hundred miles an yeah, hour. So, yeah, so okay? it starts. Like you go and, go and sit, go and sit at Anfield six, six, seven, eight rows from the front and watch the speed of this thing. It's mesmerizing how quick it is. And mm-hmm. I, and listen, no matter how fit you are, no matter how fucking many bleed tests you win, how many twenty twenty vision, whatever it is, it's nigh on impossible to keep up with a Premier League game that has 22 other individuals running around and a ball being fizzed around all over the shop. I want assistance. But the but the mentality is, if the VAR has to come in and say to you, Mick, you got that wrong, all of a sudden, oh, my mate's fucking ratting me out here. I'm going to meet him in the canteen down in George's Park on Monday. He won't speak to me. you know. And that's where the issue comes from. And it's combined with them being able to fall into this bubble. And everything Phil says is right. Mic them up. And it, and, and then, <clears throat> even and people think that's a negative, but if you mic them up, the guy on the VAR can say, you know what, what you're seeing is right. What you thought you're seeing is correct, right? But actually, just the way it's happened and how quick it's happened is what's caught you out, really. You know the sort of way? And that's all it is. But they refuse to, they refuse to line themselves where everybody else, they want to be this, they want to hold all the power, but they don't want to explain themselves one bit. If I go down as wolves, I'm fucking asking the question. I don't want yeah. your fucking apology on Monday morning, yeah. right? If Liverpool draw that game and miss out on a title, I don't want your fucking apology or your overturned card. I don't want, no matter what club it is, I, as Manchester United fans, I'd be, or Manchester United, I'd be writing in on Monday and saying, that tackle on Bruno Fernandes is studs up and it's up halfway up the shin. Why isn't this being picked up? It's not just the decisions that are made. It's the decisions that aren't made. And it's just going to continue on and on and on because they refused. They, they actually refused to work. They actually refused to work as a team and have more respect for each other as colleagues. Right? They, you should have the respect for a colleague to say and be close enough to them to say, I will tell you if it's wrong, but don't worry about it part of the fucking job we all go yep. to walk and make mistakes and people say you know you're wrong there and we just get on with it yeah I was wrong fucking hell I won't do it again I mm. make mistakes on this podcast and people go that was a stupid idea you had and I go yeah it was a stupid idea we go again like what? why can't we be like this in fucking referees yeah. it's just it's just, oh, mad. It's, it's, just cultural. it's cultural over there it's cultural mm. over there and they, don't, they, don't, they don't want to be seen <clears> as impeachable <throat> and they don't want to be impeached 
Yeah. And it's can I can I can I just throw a wild card before we finish up, Gav? Right, and I know we're yeah. just for five minutes over the time, right? Mm-hmm. But it just goes back to my winner of the week, Saudi Arabia FC. Um, right. <laughs> oh I just want I, back to where I just want I just want everyone to think of this, right, and re- remember my words. When the transfer window closes on the September first, the Saudi Arabian transfer window doesn't close. Yeah. And if you think you've seen mayhem to now, yeah. just watch what Newcastle United and Chelsea do yeah. do by the back door by disrupting teams and players and clubs through the use of outrageous bids for players at the top clubs in England to see what they can do to ensure that they have the best piece that goes on. So that's all I'm going to say, right? That's I just wanted to throw that wild card in. That's Amazing. a wild card as Amazing opposed to winning or losing. Yeah, well, it'll happen. You're right. It'll happen. Anyway. Look, we're going to get out of here. Um, hit the like button if you haven't already. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, put the bell icon on so when we go live, you will know about it. And um, thanks a million to everyone for watching. Thanks a million to P. Thanks a million to Phil. All the chat being excellent as always. We will talk to you tomorrow. Talk to you a bit. Over now. Podcast Network.